Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast, Hippocratical. Um, we're back after a long time, and today we're going to be talking about euthanasia and abortion. Okay, so Aditya, do you want to kind of explain um, what is abortion? Yeah, absolutely. So abortion is technically defined as the termination of a pregnancy by a removal of a fetus or embryo. And really, this is certainly, I, I think, quite a contemporary controversial issue. Uh, there's obviously some religious aspects to the argument that we're going to explore, but also uh, some uh, legislation and medical ethics as well uh, across this um, <clears throat> podcast. So just a bit of a, a brief synopsis of how this whole controversy started. It actually originated from uh, a case that started in uh, 1969, but uh, ended, and ended up becoming a, a proper landmark ruling in, in 1973. And you might recognize it, uh, and it's uh, the Supreme Court case of Roe and Wade. Um, and essentially what happened in this case, uh, there was a 25-year-old single woman um, under the pseudonym uh, Jane Roe, who challenged the criminal abortion laws in Texas. And the location here is, is of uh, utmost sig significance as well, because Texas is obviously a very Christian uh, and, and, and a traditional uh, area of America, especially. So uh, you, you might want to keep that uh, religious uh, tone at the back of your minds as we go on. Um, so essentially, she had three children and due to the anti-abortion law in, 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 in the state, uh, she was unable to uh, terminate uh, th this pre pregnancy as, as like most of her pregnancies had resulted in, uh, well, well it, it, it originated from being raped or some sort of crime. And it was obviously unwanted here. Unfortunately, however, the case was re rejected and she was forced to give birth quite a few times. Uh, however, in 1973, there was an appeal to the Supreme Court um, alongside another woman named uh, Sandra Bensing, uh, but I won't get too into that. Essentially, uh, the US Constitution essentially uh, revisited the law and uh, stated that in the future, uh, abortion should be allowed as, as a result of specific scenarios, especially such as uh, rape and other uh, t terrible criminal acts that have, have resulted in pregnancy. Yeah, so I guess we can kind of talk about um we can start off with abortion and just talk about like, you know, with the controversy going on in America right now, what are the kind of arguments coming from both sides in terms of why, um, you know, the Supreme Court might want to overturn Roe v. Wade and why there's a lot of opposition to that? Um, so a big one, uh, a big reason that people would be against abortion is, as Aditya alluded to, uh, it's religious reasons. So if you look in the Bible, for example, there are quite a few quotes that would, you know, target, be like target against abortion, be anti-abortion, basically. Uh, so I can think of one uh, such as, don't remember the book, but it's, uh, I think it's God saying that he knit the child together in his mother's womb, which suggests that pregnancy is a, uh, you know, it's a sacred act and that by ending the child's life, it's sort of, you know, anti-Christian. Um, however, there is also other arguments against abortion. And it's also important to remember that in medical ethics, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't really take a religious standpoint. It's more about being, 
you know, it's more about thinking about the four pillars. But if we do think about the four pillars, for example, then um, you are taking steps in abortion to actively end a child's potential to life. Um, and this can be seen as a violation of non-maleficence because you are technically harming the child. And then another big idea behind this is that uh, one reason people do you know, carry out abortion is in case the child has a disability or something. However, uh, you know, studies show that children with disabilities like Down syndrome actually, you know, do live, can live, you know, happy existences and that therefore carrying out abortion, you know, might might be a bit rash and it doesn't really take into account that just because you're disabled doesn't mean you can't be unhappy. Uh, so those are the arguments against abortion. It, I, if anyone else has anything to um, say, then you can go on. Um, I think also... When you're applying those four pillars, you're applying it to the child. But um, if you look at the mother who has become pregnant, um, abortion might be, should be allowed because the mother should be allowed the autonomy to decide what happens with uh, their body. And also, in terms of not doing harm and only doing good to the patient, um, while you have two patients in terms of pregnancy, the mother is the one you can communicate with. And... Um, if you think about it, um, a child, if the mother is at a, a quite a young stage of their life, maybe they're still in school or something, a child might actually harm their life and that might cause them to change certain plans and things and cause they might not have the money to support a child and things. And if the mother is not capable of taking care of a child, then will the child have a good quality of life then even? So um, abortion might be the right, the best choice for the mother and the child in some cases. Um, yeah, exactly. I think that when you're talking about um, pro-abortion, pro-life and pro-choice, a lot of the kind of pro-anti-abortion arguments kind of falls apart when you when you look at the what the child will have to face in the late in later life. And abortion is usually the better answer because it will result in you know if a, if a mother can't take care of the child, then it's in the best interest of the child and the mother for the abortion to go ahead. And also, um, although you can kind of we could get into the argument of whether the fetus is a is a life or not, or whether the the it counts as a child, like the child embryo counts as a life or not. But I think even if you avoid that, because that can be become quite murky very quickly, the most important thing is the mother's autonomy. I think, and that's kind of trumps like most other any other argument in in my opinion, the mother's autonomy to make choices over her own body, and also. Uh, when you're looking at kind of actually practically what has what does anti-abortion legislation lead to in real life, it doesn't actually lead to very much a decrease in the rate of abortions. It just it just leads to a decrease in the rate of legal abortions, and you just have a massive skyrocketing skyrocket increase in the kind of number of um, illegal abortions and unsafe abortions most a, a lot of the time. So. In that respect, it would com make complete sense for abortion to be legal. Um, so, yeah, to be honest, there's actually a lot of uh, interesting pro-choice arguments that we can make. Um, and some, you know, there's quite, you know, some quite abstract ones. Uh, so, for example, you might have heard of the famous violinist thought experiment. That uh, it's a feminist argument that really draws attention to, you know, why it is does seem justified to allow the woman to have the right to make these sorts of decisions so the thought experiment goes that 
a woman goes in for like a regular surgery for something and when she wakes up she's surgically attached to a famous violinist i know it's weird but that's what happens and the argument is if that was to happen to the woman it's surely morally justified that she has she can make the decision to become surgically dis like unattached from the famous violinist um and that does make sense doesn't it it would be like it just would seem very unfair if the woman didn't have that choice to make in the same way if a woman was to become impregnated involuntarily then surely it's fair for her to make these decisions over her own body because she has the right to her body and uh, that is a recognized right so uh, that draws into the question of, as we said, the woman's autonomy. And to be honest, I feel like that is the main pillar at work here. Yes, you might be violating non-maleficence by you know, ending the child's potential to life and its personhood. But at the same time, you're supporting the autonomy of the woman who we know has autonomy. The child might not have autonomy yet. And also you're, you might be doing something beneficent because as we mentioned earlier, the child if it was brought to if it was brought to life it might not have a ha very happy existence maybe it won't be disabled but it might you know be brought up in a way that's just not stable um yeah and then also finally justice uh so of course there's different you know laws about it throughout the world but if we look at the uk it is legal um in situations where it's thought to prevent harm to either the mother or the child so that could be meant psychological harm as well as physical harm and therefore uh, abortion does seem to have some uh, you know some justification and um, it is quite easy to move towards a pro-choice side yeah i think we've kind of covered the main point did, did, did you want to add something yeah i just remembered the point i was i was about to make earlier and it was the the point of precedent so if you start uh, allowing people abortions uh, everywhere. Obviously, the, the provision of abortions is going to be exploited quite a lot. So uh, that sets quite a bad precedent if you think about it. So precedent, what is it? Just to define it for those who don't know. It's like uh, previous cases that inform judgment of, of other cases. So by allowing abortion one time, it sets a dangerous standard that if you fail to use contraception, you can just go ahead and, and, and get it uh, aborted, which really isn't the, the sort of thing you want to promote because obviously these procedures are very expensive. You don't really want to be doing uh, these quite a lot. Yeah, I think that's especially important, like considering the financial situation of the NHS. But um, I think we can move on to euthanasia now. So Okay, so euthanasia comes from ancient Greek words that mean basically good death. Um, so it's basically assisted suicide where someone who is incapable of ending their own life uh, takes measures to have someone else help them end their life. Um, and it's illegal in the UK. Uh, however, it's legal in some countries in Europe. Uh, the big example there is, I think, Switzerland, where you, you're able to go uh, and, yeah, basically end your life that way. Uh, but it's important to remember that there are different forms of euthanasia. So you have the voluntary euthanasia, which is what I just described, but then um, you also have non-voluntary euthanasia, which is where someone's life is ended in a way that they haven't given an opinion either way. So it's they don't get it's not voluntary basically. Um, and then there's also involuntary euthanasia, 
All right. So involuntary euthanasia is where someone doesn't want to end their life, but it's ended anyway. So that's basically, you know, you know, going on to murder, really. Um, there's and then there's also a crucial to differentiate between active euthanasia and passive euthanasia. So active euthanasia is when doctors or other people take measures to end someone's life, you know, whether that's administering a drug or some other methods. Uh, and passive euthanasia is simply just withdrawing someone's medication. If they're on life support, for example, it's basically just pulling the plug. So, uh, yeah. I think when we talk about should euthanasia be legalised, uh, two of the main pillars we want to think about are autonomy and beneficence, because the first of all, us talking about euthanasia um, won't always be completely accurate, because we're not going to be experiencing the pain of a patient who will be debating euthanasia because these people will be going through sometimes excruciating pain every day or they just have such a bad quality of life so we can't really ex experience that situation so we're not talking from the best place but um when talking about autonomy and beneficence to do with euthanasia um it should be the patient's choice to decide um what happens to them it's what is the foundations of the nhs right now we we um, have shifted from sort of the paternalistic role of the doctor where the doctor tells you what to do to sort of more of a autonomous patient doctor relationship um so obviously it should be the choice of this patient whether they are euthanized or not but um beneficence like it may the quality of a patient's life may be so bad that and they may be suffering so much that it may actually be good to for them to just be released from their suffering because what's the point of living a life if, it, if it's if the quality of it is so bad and that sort of links into do no harm because maybe by allowing their suffering to continue and by not allowing them to be euthanized you would be harming the, the patient because your quality of life is so it's all about the quality of the life of the patient in the end um so yeah as sanjit said uh, i'd just like to give an example actually just to really put this into perspective um so uh, there was a person called Tony Nicklinson. Uh, he was a 58-year-old man, and he suffered uh, a stroke that paralyzed him from the neck down. So as you can imagine, he had a syndrome called locked-in syndrome, which is where you're literally left with your thoughts. You have no capability of movement of your limbs. Um, and of course, life becomes very tough like that, and the quality of life is significantly lower. Um, and he... He, uh, he communicated that he was living a nightmare, basically. He, it, it's very awful, the suffering he had to go through. And he appealed to, uh, he appealed to the High Court to be euthanized, but they didn't allow it. Um, and what actually happened in the end is that um, he refused to eat because he just wanted to end his life through, through starvation. And uh, then he got pneumonia as well and just died from the pneumonia after a few days. So what does that what does that show us? It shows us that if he had been euthanized and the High Court had allowed his decision, he might have died with dignity and in a way that was definitely less suffering than the pneumonia and starvation that he had to experience. Um, and uh, the High Court didn't allow that. And uh, as Sanjit said, we have to question if the people making that decision in the High Court had experienced Tony's suffering, would they have made the same decision? And honestly, I don't think they would have. 
so that's a very important point is that we cannot experience the suffering of these people and therefore come to a justified decision over whether their euthanasia should be allowed or not. Yeah, also, I just want to kind of, I think we can link that back to abortion as well, because at the end of the day, we are um, for men discussing this, discussing abortion, we won't really be able to understand the position of the mother when it comes to abortion. So I think that that also is very relevant in abortion. But yeah, that was kind of a sidetrack. Um, so back to euthanasia. Um, what about arguments against? What are, what are you guys' thoughts on kind of... I think for me, like, um, I, I definitely agree with everything you guys said, but um, when it comes to, like, especially active euthanasia, um, a doctor kind of administering a drug or something to end a patient's life, that's obviously considered as doing harm to the patient can't really consider it in another way although you might be improving the quality of life at the end of the day you are kind of killing the patient so um it does go against non-maleficence so um it can get very kind of murky and also you know it's just a very gray area in that respect um also i think that a lot of the people who will be older people they might um sort of feel like they have a duty to die. So they might have a duty to accept euthanasia because they're using up resources and things from the healthcare system of their, their area. And that could be dangerous because there could be old people who are perfectly fine um, and perfectly uh, or ne nearly healthy or, or not too unhealthy. And they are being, they're asking for euthanasia because they feel like they're, they're a burden and that's what we want because we don't want to reach a point where people feel like just because they're a little bit sick, their life is not worth living. So I think it's important if for euthanasia to be legalized, that there needs to be like a really strict system to be allowed to be euthanized. So we, can, we can't let just anyone be euthanized. It has to sort of be a very hard way to get uh, euthanasia. And there kind of has to be no other viable option, I think, like if there's options for like palliative care or hospices where a patient can go to kind of relieve their suffering, then that should be taken. Um, that step, sh those steps should be taken before anything else. Um, but, you know, if there's no other option and um, then I think euthanasia can be applied in certain scenarios and it can be seen as ethical. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'd just like to share another quite interesting argument against euthanasia, which is that sometimes people can recover unexpectedly. Um, so an example is Elaine Nussbaum, who had uterine cancer uh, and stopped treatment and was just expecting to die um, as the cancer spread to her bones and lungs. But then she just miraculously recovered. Um, and what that tells us is that if the doctors had prematurely ended her life, then really like um, then she she by euthanasia, then she might not have had, she wouldn't have had that opportunity to live, you know, a high quality of life again. Um, and that eliminates that. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, that's true. I think it might be worth this point, <clears throat> just examining some of the uh, legislation on it right now. Uh, so right now, obviously in the UK, obviously this is, this is UK law, not um, ref it's not reflective of all uh, European countries because obviously euthanasia is uh, allowed in, countries like switzerland uh maybe even netherlands i think um but essentially it's illegal and could be prosecuted as murder or manslaughter in the uk and it's interesting that 
uh, it, it says that because obviously uh, we have approached arguments that are certainly uh, more sympathetic towards this case, but it might be worth defining as well here um, what manslaughter is. And it's really uh, killing with the intent for murder, uh, but where a partial defence applies, namely loss of control, diminished responsibility or assisted suicide, this uh, uh, crime could obviously be uh, less serious. But here, let, let's think about it here. So is, is this killing done with the intent of murder? It's that the word intent here, uh, some people might rec recognise this if they take law as the, the, the mens rea, the guilty mind. Um, that really doesn't sit right with me here because clearly the intent here isn't to kill for like just the, the, the malicious act of killing. It's to really relieve someone of the of the pain so in that sense it seems a bit more I, I think personally that euthanasia should be uh allowed and it should be legalized uh from that standpoint because it it's not done out of means of trying to hurt someone or harm someone deliberately it's rather out of a way of trying to help someone terminate their suffering um okay so i considered both arguments for and against uh, euthanasia and abortion and that we can come to the conclusion that these are topics that have you know both sides to them um and that it is as it's an ethical debate that you you can't come down and say this is right and this is wrong but um yeah so we've definitely considered strong arguments for and against um and it's up to you as our listeners to come to your own conclusions um so I think that's it for today. Uh, if you have any requests for the topics that we can go uh, talk about next time, then please do DM us on Instagram or uh, contact us in another way, if you find that other way, uh, like commenting on something. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. So thank you for listening uh, and we'll see you next time.